Welcome to Cinemapodrophy, a retro movie podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me are my co-hosts. Hey everyone, I'm Corey. And I'm Justin. And we're just a gaggle of friends who'll be reviewing some of your favorite, and maybe not so favorite, movies from the last few decades. If you'd like to hear more of our reviews, please subscribe to Cinemapodrophy wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest a film for us to review, just let us know. Shoot us a message. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for all things cinematic and updates on our next episode. Cinema. Podrophy. reviewing the 1999 shark thriller deep blue sea directed by rennie harlan starring thomas jane saffron burrows ll cool j and samuel l jackson among others including bird playing bird so before we get uh, too far into this boys first of all hello and i love you i love you Hi. too <laughs> uh what's everybody having for their fountain drink today well, I am, uh, you know, a fall bitch, and I am drinking an Angers Oktoberfest. It's Ooh, still my heart. It's the best. Very, very good. Very difficult to find. Um, kind of expensive, but well worth the money. I agree with that. Corey, what you got, bud? I am going um rogue today and doing a oat milk latte, no alcohol. <laughs> this. This is hilarious because I have the best of both worlds. I have a uh, revolution Oktoberfest from Chicago and a giant Nespresso. Oh, perfect. Yes. Oh, wow. You I are the marriage of it. That's hilarious. I, I don't go. want to call you out, Corey, but I feel like this is the second week in a row you have not been drinking. Is there a I problem? Know. Um, <laughs> there is not. Um, I promise the next time I will have a stellar cocktail. Next time I feel like you have to do a shot every time we say a particular word we'll determine what that word is later i choose in advance scissors uh, <laughs> yeah. oh okay i mean yeah done don't you're gonna die <laughs> <laughs> all right well gang with that out of the way um let's dig into this um i uh i submitted this week's movie um i love deep blue sea it's probably my favorite shark movie uh, which honestly is weird that it's a category of film at all. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting to think about that we just have a whole subsect of movies that are just based around one animal who's really not anything like it's portrayed in film. But I'll well, get off my Very true, much. very true. I mean, sharks are fascinating. I mean, they have their own week. I mean... <laughs> now? Well, I'm just saying, I mean, they've always been fascinating. Everyone's always wanted to know more about sharks and what sharks are and i mean these are these are pretty special sharks very mysterious yes very no i'm with you brian i've i've loved this movie for a long time i remember when our local blockbuster or um whatever the other movie store was in my hometown went out of business i actually bought the vhs tape from them um so i probably still have it somewhere but yes i've, I've been a fan of this movie for a long time do you Love have it. a vhs vhs player 
I do. I still have it. It's not hooked up. Um, it was for a long time, but it's not anymore. You mean VCR, Justin? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. My fault. VHS. But yeah, I know. Uh, uh, you kids don't understand. But you know what's funny is I didn't even blink twice about it. I knew what he meant, and I was like, yeah, I have one. I do. Never miss an opportunity to make fun of your friends. That's what I always say. Uh, all right. So um, a little bit about uh, Deep Blue Sea. Uh, like I said, it was made in 1999, uh, directed by Remy Harlan and written by um, the Australian guy. Oh, Duncan Kennedy. Um, he's written a couple other films, um, but this was his uh, kind of foray into uh, shark horror, I suppose. Um the movie had a, an $82 million budget, but grossed over $165 million, um, and is still making money on TNT today. Every Saturday and Sunday. Every Saturday and Sunday. And now on Netflix. Yes. I think it's a movie, too, that when you when you watch it, it's easy to get sucked in. Like, from the beginning, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to watch and see what's going on here. Well, yeah, you can definitely jump in at any point in time and and you're really not missing much. I mean, you can jump in anywhere and you're going to be entertained. Agreed. I also think it's nice that the, like the cast is, I mean, 1999 young, but like Thomas Jane's been in a lot of stuff since then. I mean, Sam Jackson is a national treasure. Um, and in my opinion, this is LL Cool J's best movie uh, and then also uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who a lot of folks will recognize as Dr. Eric Selvig in the Marvel films, um, is also in this movie. Father of the other Skarsgårds, because there's a gag of them now. Skarsgårds. Skarsgård. Skarsgård. There you go. Yes. I know. Yeah. Crushed it. We're professionals. Waterproof your couch. Use Skarsgård. <laughs> I use it on my shoes. Keeps them neat. I don't I don't want to jump ahead, but I do have a quick question for you guys. Hit me, bud. Where did this movie take place? In the I middle mean, of the Pacific Ocean. I know that it was in a World War II uh bunker, under underwater bunker, but I I, I, I don't know where where it's at because is it in the Pacific Ocean or yeah. I feel like they made references to the Caribbean and then also the license plate that was stuck in the shark's mouth is from Louisiana. So good catch. Well, I mean, sharks have like the whole ocean though. Do they? I think so. Like why, why just hang out over there? You could be over, you know, it's like, Oh, where are we going on vacation this year? Daddy shark. Oh, well baby shark, we're going to go to the Atlantic ocean. So they go through the Panama canal and everyone's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Occasionally they get stuck sideways and then my Amazon shit doesn't get here for weeks. But. <laughs> that was actually the reason why the, the, <laughs> ship, the ship was avoiding a shark. <laughs> love it. An extremely smart shark in his family were trying to get to Disney World. Because <laughs> he heard the lines were low because it was the middle of a pandemic. Yep. Um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought entirely. <laughs> Talking about where where this bunker where it is. happened. So it was a hundred percent in the Pacific Ocean because there was no ocean based naval front for World War Two. You mean yeah. no Atlantic Atlantic base? 
What you said no. You said ocean based. I said Atlantic. I meant Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll fix that in post. Audible wink. <laughs> <laughs> I I get that, but I I just I feel like they made references saying that it was something about the Caribbean, or I feel like it was I I don't know, but maybe I was wrong. Uh, that license plate really threw me off. Um. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What yeah, I do I know have, is, go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. I have to say, uh, good catch on that, Justin. That was it was interesting for me watching this movie because, like I said before, is that I've watched it so many times um, that normally when it's on, I'm not sitting there uninterrupted, right? I'm doing something else. It's background for me. So to actually sit there and critically watch it again was very fun. But that's I missed the license plate. So good catch on that one, Justin. Well. It was also kind of funny because, you know, the movie starts off, uh, you know, just like any other shark movie. Uh, there was a classic, you know, shark attack. And uh, after the shark attack, they show a newspaper very quickly. And on the front page of the USA Today was shark attack. And I, I've never seen on the front page of a newspaper a single shark attack. But... Different time, 1999, you know, what can you say? Yeah. In 1999, they had printed newspapers. Yeah. It's true. And I think it would matter, I think it would matter for where you're at, right? Like for us growing up in the Midwest, we would never have seen that versus a coastal city that, that did, you know, suffer a shark attack in their, their city would probably make front page. My guess would be. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Um, so before we get into like the, the sort of actual flow of the movie, do you guys want to like set up the premise of it? Because I love the premise because Alzheimer's is terrifying. Yes. yes. Um, so yeah, the premise of it is essentially there's this uh, uh, science lab that's hosted out in the middle of the ocean in an old world war two bunker that, and the, the the lead scientist there lost her father, right, to Alzheimer's. Yeah, I think. I believe so. And um, long story short, is that sh they're trying to pull a protein from the sh a shark's brain uh, that they think can possibly help cure folks with Alzheimer's. So that's that's sort of the mission of the movie, um, and and what what's going on at the science lab. Would you agree? Did I miss anything? No, absolutely. And then, you know, not, I don't know if we want to jump forward this far, but the, the Dr. Susan McAllister, uh, Saffron Burroughs character, um, who is sort of viewed as a villain and love interest in the movie a little bit. Um, you know, she kind of goes behind everyone's back and starts using experimental science and makes you know, the shark's brains grow exponentially, which gives them higher processing capacity and they get smart and smart shark is a scary shark. Yeah. Premise. Don't, don't forget that. Smart shark <laughs> is a scary shark. You go to the beach. Just remember these sharks are dumb. Probably. Well, just like I always say, if you don't, if you don't fear the sea, then you don't respect it. <laughs> Um, you have that on a t-shirt somewhere, don't you, Justin? <laughs> Not yet, but I will. <laughs> Coming soon to the Cinematography Store. <laughs> and 
know a friend with a cricket. It can happen. But I I also love it. This this movie is great. I I really really like this movie. It was a fun premise. It, it was it was just a fun good movie. A uh, lot of plot holes, but we can get to that. Uh, just something real quick. The movie just jumps right in in the beginning about you know there's an escape shark. He's trying to attack this this catamaran. How did that shark get out? And how do they find it? Well, I think uh, I think Carter Blake was hunting it down. You know, maybe maybe it had a tracker. Maybe he was using his super swimsuit powers. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking, and I, I can't come up with anything. But um, I can tell you why he attacked the catamaran is because there was some dumb girl sitting on the edge of it, dangling her foot in the water. So. Plus, remember, remember, don't dangle your body parts in the water ever. Just like and, a white man to be nearby when a girl is dangling off a boat. Yep. And Too sharks, weird. sharks oftentimes get red wine and blood confused. So <laughs> frequently, there was some red wine that was poured into the ocean, and he that that triggered something, and he goes, yeah. "Oh, okay, I gotta go eat from well, a mile away." Yep. Well, sharks love wine, so I'm not surprised. Hate cinnamon. Agreed. Love red wine. So um, we sort of talked about very kind of ancillarily or peripherally uh, what we liked about the movie. Um, I I can't say enough about LL Cool J. Uh, I I will say one more thing about him singing his praises. Um, Apparently, originally, when they screened this, um, Susan McAllister was like, the love interest and the audiences did not like it. So they rewrote and reshot LL Cool J who was supposed to be killed off. Um, that's why I think that might be why he's in a lot of scenes by himself. Cause it, like for the whole second act of the film, he's basically just by himself in the bellows of the, the whole ship, a ship. What do you call it? The compound bunker, bunker. bunker? Yeah, underwater bunker. Um, so he's just kind of by himself with bird doing his thing. Best acting of the whole movie, hands down. Um, Susan Burroughs, then her character dies at the end, you know, in kind of like a, Oh, Oh, you had an escape plan and it didn't work. And now you're eating. Okay. They, they rewrote it. So that L cool J who was awesome would live. And I love that just cause the, the director liked what he was putting down. And I'd love that for him. I mean, LL Cool J was definitely the winner of the movie. Hands down. Because everybody else, they got violently eaten. Mm-hmm. Eaten. And for whatever reason, a shark just decided to push him around, you know, when they were above water. And he, I mean, he got out safe and sound and probably never going to the water again. Oh, no. Well, I think, I think he absolutely is the star in the sense there's that one scene where the shark's coming after him and he decides to hop into the oven. And while he's in there, he he manages to break out and then literally jump in the water right next to the shark and out swim it. So if that isn't a hero, I don't know what is. Damn right. Uh, I'm going to pour one out for a bird real quick. Um, RIP bird. Bird. I, 
I wasn't a fan of bird because birds are gross. And if, if the only chef on the bunker is, you know, he's, he's cooking everyone's food, but he also has this bird that's flying around the kitchen. Uh, I don't know if I would want to be eating that food. 100% agreed. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that though. Preacher did know how to make a proper omelet. Yes. What does he say? Two First eggs. It starts with two eggs, not two three. Two eggs, not three. Some people want to add cream to make it, uh, to fluff it up. This is a mistake. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. One of my favorite quotes in the movie. That, uh, my second favorite quote is Sam Jackson. Is He says something along the lines, I'm sick and tired of these motherfucking sharks on this motherfucking, and then he got chomped. That might be a different movie. I might have that wrong. No, that that was that was this movie. Oh, okay. Um I I really really like the very very beginning because that's where my favorite quote was at. And, you know, when the the, you know, the young kids around a catamaran, they were kind of, you know, going after each other and the shark, I think he hits the boat, makes a loud bang, and one of the girls says to the guy, she goes, "You feel that?" And he goes, yeah, I feel something. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that because, you know, in his mind, he's like, yup, I'm going to be getting some tonight. And she has no idea what's going on. And then, hello, here's the shark. Feels like making boo-doo-boo-doo shark. Um, No, that is a good one. (laughs) Um, Can we talk about Brenda for a second? Brenda was the lady that operated the tower and played the music out of the tower. Brenda. Um, I just want to say, I think she would have a killer Sloppy Joe recipe. Like, LL Cool J might be the chef, but when it's Sloppy Joe night, she's down there in the kitchen. Yeah. Wednesdays, Brenda's leading the pack. Yep. Sloppy Joe's, Kraft Mac and Cheese, getting it. All of it. She's got the tunes bumping. Poor Brenda. I'm trying to think of her name, but every every time I saw her, all I could think about was the Sopranos. And which one? She's Tony Soprano's sister, kind of loser sister. You know, sister just kind of floats along. And in my mind, I was like, oh, she finally got a job. She finally, you know, is getting her life together and is not just, you know, riding on Tony's coattails. Who are you talking about? The you said Brenda who works in a tower? Yeah. Yeah, she the she had that strong New York accent. Oh, I thought you were doing another like nope, nope, twister nope. and okay. I thought you were trying to <laughs> drop I mean, parallels I guess, I guess, between characters and movies again. I guess you could say this is like the sequel to the Sopranos. I mean <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of a movie crossover, um Justin, I don't know if you caught it. It's not the same composer, but there was a part at the beginning where the music sounds very Dante's peak to me, um, to the point that I had to stop and double check. Um, not 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 one for one, but there's certain parts of it that were very very Dante's peak. I did not catch that. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go back and look for that because any Dante's peak reference is great in my book. I'll try and find it and just send you the send you the timestamp for it. Um, question is, 
I like how calm and and just for any listeners, I'm going to be terrible about names of the, um, I just happened to write Brenda down, but everybody else, it's going to be <laughs> the blonde guy that does a lot of swimming or, you know, um, but no, it is, it's the blonde guy who swims with the sharks and he goes into the, uh, the underwater cage tunnel thing, if you will. Um, Carter. Carter. There you go. When both of those sharks attack the fence He's just kind of very casual about it. I would have completely shit my pants underwater. Like my wetsuit would be destroyed. Well, he jumped in. I mean, he jumped into the, the, the shark's tank and just yanked that license plate right out of his mouth. The shark's mouth. Yeah. The shark should have been grateful, but not that smart. Yeah. So. So, As we sort of move forward here, Justin, you'd mentioned that um, the underwater bunker was not exactly airtight. Neither was the film. What what are what are these plot holes that you talk about? Because as far as I'm concerned, start to finish, this can't happen more than once, clearly. So I, I just I. Again, I really like this movie and I thought it was cool, but, you know, they. They, you know, they get the shark in. I don't know how Carter gets this tranquilized shark on on that bed, but he, somehow he does that. They, you know, they bring it up to the lab. They they shoot this, or they take some of the shark's brain matter. They find out, you know, hey, it actually helps with Alzheimer's. Great. And then all of a sudden, uh, what's his name? Dr. Eric Selvig. Yes, he gets his Jim, arm bit off. Jim Whitlock was his character's name. But. He gets his arm bit off. That's where everything starts to to go bad. And, you know, they try to get him out of there. There's a terrible storm going on. The helicopter, you know, they try to get him an air evacuation, you know, whatever. And the the helicopter crashes. The doctor is on a gurney. And is basically just tossed into the ocean. Then the super smart sharks were like, you know what? We're going to fuck with everybody. So I'm going to put him in his gurney and push him at the glass. Now, I don't know if you've ever been underwater and tried to throw something underwater. You, you can't, you can't throw a ball underwater, but the shark is pushing this gurney underwater. He throws it at this big viewing window and somehow it cracks. So if you're underwater and you have glass, that it's not going to break when something's tossed at it. So, okay, the glass breaks, all this water rushes in, and somehow they have time to get out of that room if water is rushing in under underwater, you have no time. You're that's that's the first flaw that I see. Second one, they leave that one room. They go through a metal door. Water is rushing through this metal door, and somehow Carter and uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Scoogins. Scoogins. <laughs> Tom Scoggins. No, you're right. Michael Rappaport's character. They they have enough strength to shut this door as the ocean is <laughs> rushing in. Yeah, it's absolute bullshit. And we're talking how many feet down where the pressure's even greater? Oh, like, obscene. Exactly. Yeah. 
So your, exactly. Your, your plot holes are more just shitty science. It's just bad physics. Is that I, right? Well, they they would talk about that, but then they would if if you're gonna be in that world, then why didn't they just jump out and try to swim up to the top? No, they were like, oh, you do that, you're gonna get the bins. Okay, so why does the laws of physics apply in one area but not another area? Good point. I wrote the same thing down. I said I wrote something down that said they waited way too long. The minute that grass that glass started to crack, I'd have been out. They're just like standing there, and you know, I wrote the same thing. So, well, this movie has a lot of blank stare moments where they just. They just stand and stare at each other for an awkward amount of time. And I, I don't know if you guys caught on to that, but if you go back and rewatch it, there's a lot of just kind of empty time of them just kind of what? And then and then move on. I think that's indicative of the way that they made movies in the 90s, though. And honestly, a lot of thrillers are like that, where you're just like. There's a there's a murderer around like, <gasps> Where is he? Did you hear that? And it's just silence <laughs> while they they look up and around like he's going to be up here. <laughs> you know, it's just it's thrillers. Yeah. So, so while nice. we're talking about this scientist who got his arm bit off and then but like I, I literally wrote down and told you I bet I don't do the whole name thing. I wrote down smoker attacked twice because he was smoking when the, when the um, shark was brought up and I'm pretty sure he's the one that said, did somebody order the fish? Um, and so he's attacked then. And then poor guy is attacked when he's being airlifted out and then slammed into the glass. So total insult to injury there. I think it's that the sharks probably were addicted to nicotine at that point. Well, They're I mean, if you drink, if you drink, it, I mean, they like wine, so it's not it's not surprising to me. Wine, wine and cigarettes <laughs> go together like wine and cigarettes. Yeah. Baseball and apple pie. <laughs> sure. Or whatever. Peanut butter I mean, and jelly. That's just standard sewer rat stuff. So, well, and then and then the other thing that I that I really really liked about this movie is yes, I know that they made these sharks smarter. Do I think they made them? smart enough to make them as smart as humans? I don't know. No. Because it was funny. There was multiple scenes where there was a shark knocking at a door. <laughs> and they're like, is that the shark? And they're like, that's him. He's here. I like, mean, but but to your point, Justin, <laughs> though, if this shark was smart enough to throw a guy in a gurney at a at glass... I mean, I think I'd start to believe that the shark would be knocking. <laughs> Why didn't the shark use the key? That's really the question. <laughs> exactly. I, th I, I think these questions, and I haven't seen the sequel or the second sequel, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that these questions are answered. Deeper, bluer sea and deeper, bluer sea. The sequels. Deeper, smarter sea? I don't know. We shall see. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> wink, wink. So, but just, you know, watching a movie, I kept seeing stuff like that. And it just, I, I just, it, it stuck out to me. I still love the movie. It's, it's a great movie. But 
Yeah, or, you know, even the part where, you know, Sammy L. Jackson, he was panicking because he was like, that motherfucking shark recognized a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. Well, how many times do you think Carter Blake just was getting drunk on the gangplank walkway? He's like, listen here, shark, you mother. Click, click, boom. And the shark's like, oh, that probably hurt if I got hit by that loud thing. So he saw the gun and he was like, nah, I'll eat you later, fam. Well, did why was, okay, when they were working on the shark in the, in the lab and they were taking the, the brain matter and then, you know, the shark bites off the doctor's arm. Why did they not have backup tranquilizers? And why was the only thing they had, it was a loaded shotgun. Like if this was a lab, you would think they would have these things ready to go. True. But. I will grant you that plot hole. I will suspend my disbelief of science just far enough, but I, I agree with you. Any self-respecting lab working individual would probably have extra trank guns and they would all like, what, did, what didn't they check that they checked it? They said, Oh yeah, he's sleeping like a baby. Oh, he's, we pumped him so full of the good stuff. Nine and then, years. yeah, that's right. And he started having a nightmare. He peed the bed a little bit and he woke up. What do you think a shark has a nightmare about? Shotguns. You know, there's traffic getting through the Panama Canal. Can openers. Chef, uh, not chef, <laughs> chief Brody. Chief Brody from Jaws. Oh, good pull. Well done. Not Chef Brody. That's somebody else. <laughs> that was that's actually what Preach's name was supposed to be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Brody. Nope. Would have got sued. Um, sure. Spielberg doesn't give a fuck. Can we can we talk about like did anybody else want to hear the rest of Samuel L. Jackson's speech before that shark decided to take him out? I thought that was rude. I mean, he could have finished first. Yeah, when Sam Jackson's monologuing, you you sit down and you listen. The sharks don't know. They're very new to being smart. Yeah, I mean, but if if that's the way you're going to go, cool. that's, a, that's a great way to go. That's a good way to go. I mean, mid, you're given, you know, a pep talk and you just get ripped to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely that's that's the equivalent of a mic drop at that point. For him or the with shark? Sam, I was going to say with Sam Jackson, <laughs> for the, the, for the shark. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. His, yes. His femur was the microphone. <laughs> so. Cool. Well. I think that leaves us with the burning question and i think i know the answer do we think this movie holds up today i think so i loved it Corey, i'm gonna say no because the doctor would have no place to use her floppy disk she has a lot of research on there and she couldn't she couldn't access it fair wi-fi is probably terrible out there <laughs> I, I'm going to go with yes. I, I, you know, I think it still holds up. You know, it's, it's, could it happen in real life? No. But do I want to spend a Saturday and Sunday watching it? Yeah. 
And if they wanted to make sequels of it, I would watch those too. Luckily, they did. So we're in luck. <laughs> if we no, it, watch them. No, in, in all seriousness, no, I do think it. I think it does stand up. Um, that minor technology moment aside, um, I think the idea of continuing to use science to try and you know, cure things that haven't been cured is, is ongoing. So I definitely think it stands up. Um, one more thing. I, I forgot there was a quote that I really enjoyed towards the end. Um, when they were like, how big is it? He's like big, real big. He's like, what's that? It's like the size of my brass balls. Um, I thought that was important to share. Yes. <laughs> well, Who said that? I don't remember that. Um, I think it was after LL Cool J survived that miraculous blast and the two of them at the very end. So Preach and Carter? Preach and Carter, yeah. 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 Well, another plot hole that I'm going to, you know, point out. So, you know, they get to the surface. It's, uh, you know, Saffron, Carter and preach they're on the top and they're like all right here's how we're gonna finish this because they figured out the sharks were trying to lower the the bunker so that they could escape now why they didn't escape the same way they escaped the first time i don't know they could have saved a lot of time but they were trying to lower the entire bunker so that they could go over the fence so carter says all right hey let's let's shoot a arrow into the shark and then connect that arrow to a battery car battery and electrocute the shark so c4 on the arrow or dynamite or something there was there was an explosive i just thought it was a battery no i'm positive it was attached to something explosive or maybe he was swimming through gas i don't know but anyways so saffron she was supposed to do this she jumps in the water. She tries to climb up a ladder. It falls. She gets she gets eaten. So she's out. Preach was nowhere to be found. But then he goes up to the to the you know the arrow, and he magically knows the plan. No one told him about the plan, but he knew about the plan. And at the last second, he hooked that that cable up to uh, that battery or the explosives or whatever. And somehow Carter, he ripped his leg off of the shark too, and he broke free. Shark goes boom. Everybody's happy. You know, the humans win again. Roll credits, but not before a very convenient next shift on a ship is rolling in. Yep. And and a great line from Preach. Are you sure this can only happen with sharks? We'll find out next time on Cinema Biography. <laughs> Should we take predictions? Because ha- have either of you looked at what the plot of the no. second one is? Nope, not at all. Should we take a quick prediction to think what it could be about? Um, if it's not sharks, I imagine it has to be sharks. All but it's still Deep sharks. Blue Sea 2 or whatever it is. So it's still sea related. So we know it's that. I feel like squid. Squid or octopus are yeah. going to be thrown into the ring with the sharks and that that's going to be the direction they go 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild that's and very highly unlikely guess that a shark breeds with another type of aquatic animal, and now we have a hybrid situation happening. Well, guys, I think that wraps up this week's episode. Um, next week we're doing Edward Scissorhands. This has been a blast. Love both of you guys. Take care.